0: Hey everyone, my name is Ian Simpkins Normally joined by Brian Fromm But this is the week of special guests Here on The Common Good On AM 1160, Hope for Your Life Welcome to The Common Good. Brian Fromm is out of the country on his honeymoon. My name is Ian Simpkins. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, slash The Common Good. On Twitter, at Common Good Talk. Plus wherever it is you get your podcast if you are a podcaster first off thank you so much for listening uh if you have the time a little like subscribe and review does somehow magically help us out i have no idea how but uh, if you wouldn't mind hitting that share button too we're still a new show and that stuff really does help us out but as i've mentioned since brian Fromm is gone all week I am absolutely thrilled to have in the studio all week some of my all-time favorite people, people that I have looked up to for a while, that I admire and love deeply, and Pastor Daryl Malcolm is no exception. Pastor Daryl, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Ian. It's an honor to be with you. I've appreciated our
1: friendship through the years, and Miss those sessions we get together and battle with each other. At times. Yeah, we're,
0: we're due for a breakfast, aren't we? We
1: certainly are. Now, yes. when you say
0: battle. Uh-huh. Well, okay. <laughs> we just have different perspectives on things at times. Well, and that's part um, of what I've so appreciated about you. And we'll get into this later in the show, but you and I have disagreed on a number of things. And I would still call you like a close friend and a brother and someone. That I love and admire for a long time, and I have no doubt and, actually and, that people it'll become clear as to why that is
1: but that 's mutual. I appreciate oh, so much you. being able to be here too well oh, thank, thank you daryl that means a
0: lot i 'm um, wondering if you could just give maybe like a brief bio about who you are. And then we'll get into, like, the long-form story about, like, where you started and where you grew up. But, like, for someone that doesn't know who you are, in a couple of sentences, how would you introduce yourself?
1: It's an amazing story, really. (laughs) I grew up on a small farm in southwest Iowa, went to a little church of usually under 100, uh became very involved there through my life. My dad was an elder. My mother was a Sunday school teacher. I went to church before, she was, before I was born, so <laughs> a long time
0: history. You're in the church. pre-delivery yeah, Christ follower, right? <laughs> About
1: eight when I really made my full public decision for Jesus. I was baptized and um, grew up in that church, and because it's a small church, I uh, had a lot of opportunities. Hmm. We had a, a man that had been an auctioneer all of his life and became our pastor and began filling in, and um, he wanted to help me get started, and so I preached my first sermon on Sunday before I graduated from high school on Thursday. No kidding. Got off to a start, wow. and then I, a little church in Bradyville, a little Community nearby didn't have any pastor and asked if I'd come down and preach for them. Hmm. What, a, what a patient people they must have been. <laughs> I think about how horrible those sermons were. But I think six or seven times that Sunday, that summer, I had a chance to go down and preach. Wow. And um, then I went to Lincoln Bible Institute, which is about a 450 mile trip for us. And um, that's a story getting there also. And uh, because I had been doing some preaching. I had a roommate that was working in a pastor, weekend pastor of a little church, and every once in a while he had me f- fill in for his place, and one thing or another, we're doing it. And in July of 1950, hmm. uh, one of my former class my roommates, where we, we didn't have dormitories yet, so we stayed in homes, and there was one home that had nine of us staying together in it, and so uh, two or three of those guys were now pastoring in little churches out in western Illinois, hmm. around Pike County. It's between the Illinois and Mississippi Rivers, right up to the western edge of Illinois, and uh, there a lot of little churches in that county, and so um, uh, Dick invited me to come and be the speaker for a youth rally. Hmm. So I went to the youth rally to give my message, and when the service was over, leaders from two different churches come up to me and asked if I'd come and be their preacher. No,
0: kidding. at the end of that event, they <laughs> yes, didn't?
1: I had no idea it was a trial sermon. <laughs> I wasn't looking for a church, but you were being
0: interviewed and didn't know it. <laughs> I sure did,
1: and because these guys would every Friday night or Saturday morning, we'd load into the cars and drive the hundred miles out in that area, hmm. and then whoever driving would make the circuit and drop us off at the different churches. The churches would give us a room and meals and loan us a car and whatever we needed to do to carry out our ministry. And then Sunday night, they'd make the circle and pick everybody up and drive back to Lincoln again. And uh, Lincoln stopped having classes on Monday because so many of us were doing that, that the classes were basically Tuesday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And so I began doing that, and then uh, the next year I bought my own car, and then— been in debt ever since. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the way of a pastor. I, isn't I've been it? in, yeah. maybe
1: been, but it's been wonderful. I had such a variety of mm. ministries through the years. Uh, these churches in Eldera and New Hartford, I wound up serving there for two and a half years. Mm. The first six months or so, I was just preaching in Eldera one Sunday and New Hartford the next one. And then because of the guys I was writing with were having Sunday evening services. We approached them having a Sunday evening service. Hmm. And so I'd be in Eldera Sunday morning and New Hartford that night. Okay. No the next week, New Hartford Sunday morning and Eldera that night. Wow. And so every other week they had it in the morning and every other week they had <sighs> it in the evening. And, um, it was, I doubled my salary. I I went from fifteen dollars a week to thirty dollars a week and driving a hundred miles
0: away to go do it. You're rolling in it.
1: <laughs>
0: How did you even but, keep that straight with all of that? Was that uh, tough to keep all of your ducks sure, in a row? Oh, sure, you keep yeah. track of the thing, and and I
1: had to be careful. I I could preach. I couldn't preach the same sermon back and forth. Right, I, of course. I, and right. so I'd have different ones. I'd have to be preparing at different times and and uh, try to keep up with it, but. Um, It was a wonderful experience, and the classes that I were taking at Lincoln meant so much more Hmm. because they were often sermon material for what was happening the next week Right, and follow through. And then um, Church in Milton, the man had been there for eight or nine years, retired, and uh, he suggested I come down and they consider me for the the pulpit. Wow. And so I I I said to him, I said, Hank, I could never fill your shoes and he said, hmm. If you ever get to the point where you think you're able to do what you're called to do, you need to move. Wow. And I thought that has been such a message to me all the wow. way along. But if you aren't in over your head, you're probably not really doing what God wants you to do. I love that. That's so yeah. good. So, how long have you been in
0: ministry in general? Just for some context for our listeners,
1: this is my seventieth year to be in pastoral ministry in in
0: Illinois. (laughs) I've always been in the state of Illinois, some part or
1: other of it. Uh, (laughs) I I was uh, in that Pike County area for eight years, and uh, because Milton was in that same county, right? And then I wound up coming to. um I mean to Washington Illinois, just okay. outside of Peoria. I was there eleven and a half years. Wow. And then I moved to DeKalb and I was there for thirteen years. Wow. And so and then I was bound to Urbana. I was there for three years. And so wow. i a lot of different places around. And then we've lived in Carroll Stream now since eighty six. And so and then you ended up at Poplar Creek Church. Right. Which had, is where you and I met. Yes. I was I was at the church in, in um, carol stream at the time and i helped them get started i made phone calls to help poplar creek church get going right so then when i retired when i resigned from knowing the church was dying in carol stream Mm -hmm. and and uh i was going to step out uh they came to me and asked me to come would i come and join their staff wow and i said well i'd already agreed to begin working with some with the funeral homes doing some pre-need funeral planning and Mm -hmm. so forth i said um Let's see what happens with it. Hmm. You have a style of worship that we may not be comfortable with. Right. And um, you've been meeting a while. It's unfair just to force me on the congregation. Right. So we began attending in February of 92. Hmm. And in May of 92, the congregation elected me as a pastor and shepherd and I've been in those roles ever since. Yeah, you (laughs) most certainly
0: have. And I've been the grateful recipient of a whole lot of your wisdom and leadership, to be honest, which is why I'm so excited that you're on the show. I'm excited that you're here for an entire hour because I have just a million other questions that I've wanted to ask you for a long time or that I've already asked that I want other people to hear the answers of. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So I think it's going to be quite a journey this hour with Pastor Daryl Malcolm here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is gallivanting somewhere, I'm sure. But you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160Hope.com slash The Common Good, on Twitter, at Common Good Talk, plus. And I'm sure you're tired of me saying it. We're on every podcast platform you can imagine. And uh, if you are a podcaster, just taking a minute or two to like, subscribe, and review. All of that really does help us out a whole lot. But in Brian's absence this week, uh, we're kind of stacking the deck. It's just some of my favorite people in Chicagoland. Honestly, anywhere, to be honest. And uh, to have Pastor Joe Malcolm in the studio for an entire hour... Is such a joy. Thank you for making the drive again and being in here you. for a full hour, sharing your story. And you didn't mention it in sort of your, your testimony a little bit, but I know that you actually have radio experience, right? Well, yes. I was at, uh, when I was at
1: Lincoln Bible Institute studying, and a man came in who had done a lot on radio and television. In fact, he was a newscaster hmm. at the only television station in Springfield at that time in 55, and 55. So anyhow, he had classes in radio. Hmm. And then after I graduated in 54, took off a year, and then I came back in seminary. He asked me to come back, and I was actually the first graduate assistant, although they didn't call me that, but I was his graduate assistant. I helped him teach speech classes. He would give the basic concept. And then he'd evaluate half of the students, and I'd evaluate half of the students. Okay. No and then he'd give the next one, and then we'd switch the half that we dealt with. And so wow. I did that for one semester. I also was doing in charge of the LBI time at a radio program. Okay. And uh, we'd often have gobs of... Tape, you know, where when we had the machines and the Uh dials and the the tapes, you put it on it. And I would record some things on Tuesday and Wednesday for the next week. And sometimes I'd record the next week and come back in. And I'd have ready uh, 12 minutes, and I mean, 29 minutes and 30 seconds of tape ready to go for a noon show every Wednesday. (laughs) Gosh, how times have changed, right? How they've changed. My goodness. We're looking at laptops and screens. And and then I've had a couple of radio programs before that. And I helped get a television station program going in Quincy that is called By the Way. It -hmm. became the longest running locally produced religious program in America. Wow. But for the first 17 months, I was executive director. And I would bring the people in and work out the format. And if somebody didn't show up, I'd be on air to fill wow. in for them. And it was quite an experience. And this is this was black and white; color was just coming in at the time. Wow.
0: So, yeah. See, you've lived enough life for five lifetimes. Man. I
1: probably have. And, and, and got, God
0: gives me good health, and I keep going now. Yeah, I remember the story you told me a couple of years ago. You went in for a physical or something, and the doctor was like. You're literally in perfect shape. Just keep doing whatever the heck you're doing. Yeah,
1: that's somewhat happens. I I tell people that I the only prescription I have to take is for dandruff.
0: <laughs> I've not heard that one. That's well, good.
1: But I'm very blessed that God has been good to me, and I'm, yeah. I'm stiffer, and I don't have quite the balance and so forth. But, yeah, but you I'm do amazing, a remarkable amazingly amount. good health for
0: 88. You, so you, I, you really are. And so... You also right. I, if I recall correctly there's like a prayer component to your workouts too isn't there Yes um long time ago I began
1: uh, working uh, uh, starting to do some exercises every morning Yeah and somebody gave me this idea that I do the I will love the Lord my God more today than ever before in my whole life hmm. Now that's either 8 or 16 reps for hmm. each thing you're doing And so the different things that I do in my exercise early in the morning I do by that I love and then that. now I listen to um you version the bible yeah and so um We've uh, I've gone through most of the book of Genesis in the last eight day or days or ten days or something I like that. that, and so it's wonderful to to have your
0: devotional element, and that helps me keep my exercise element also. in balance. Gosh, that's remarkable. Okay, so, so somewhere in the midst of your whole story, you also got married, right? Like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> happening in the midst of us. Talk talk to us a little bit about that story and that journey. Well,
1: Karen came from Northwest Missouri, and I grew in Southwest Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, both were farmers. Uh, although my dad did a lot of other things on it here. But we had a small farm I grew up on. And I um, had to come 450 miles to Lincoln to meet. Hmm. But... Um, uh, mom told me she and her sister were going to coming out to the lincoln bible institute and uh, asked me to look after them well i couldn't look after both of them but i, I picked out karen and uh, <laughs> at first she didn't know whether she wanted me or not she'd heard some bad things about me and no i didn't know and, this you well know, may or may, or may, or may have been true so you know, <laughs> you know, a bit bit there's a enough bad boy there's enough bad boy if you want to go that way but anyhow i didn't think so but anyhow um we met and began dating hmm. and then um uh, got engaged very quickly. Uh, we'd been dating about seven weeks and we got I was no post kidding. And then it was another nine months before we got married. But wow. um, Lincoln did not have any dormitories. They did a lot in the old Christian church downtown in Lincoln. Okay. And so they had classes there. They had chapel there. And the cafeteria was in the basement. Really? So we'd get up. We were staying. I was staying about a mile from there and she was about a mile and three quarters from there. And I would pick her up and we would go to breakfast. And then we'd drive another mile out to the campus on the edge of Lincoln and have classes in the morning. And then we'd drive down for chapel service, and we'd drive back out to campus for one more class, and then back for lunch, and then I'd take oh her my. home. And then we'd eat jobs in the afternoon, and then I'd pick her up to bring her to dinner, and then take her back from dinner, and we'd be <laughs> study and so forth, and then usually pick her up about 9.30, take a snack, you know. <laughs> Why bit. not? Yeah.
0: So we spent a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> we really knew each other pretty well. And and, and you have over the decades. I mean, yeah. she's she's been your partner in arms for how how long now? How long have you been married? 67 years. No kidding. She's a very patient woman. She <laughs> has to be.
1: We've, we've had her ups and downs and we've had so many blessings and I,
0: I love her so much. Well, and and that, a, that's always affected me deeply how honest you both have been about some of the downs of the ups and downs. Yeah, I remember you yeah. saying, I think we were celebrating one of your anniversaries and you said something like, yeah, the first four years were really hard. Oh, more than that. Was it? Maybe you <laughs> yeah. said seven. I said, well, seven. up and down. You know, sometimes it turned out the first
1: 18. But <laughs> but I tell people you have to stick with it and it gets, yeah. better, and it gets better as time
0: goes on. But that's but, rare, though. Nowadays. Yeah, like that, that advice is so evergreen, I think.
1: But I think it's true. You have to recognize too many want everything to happen at once. Right. Because I've never known a couple. They didn't get married and wonder what on earth have I done after the first year or so. Yep, and, and uh, it's frightening. I've known had a couple of cases. I had a couple that had been living together for several years and got married and got a divorce after nine months. No kidding. <laughs> Gosh, I, they were from a distance coming yeah. in, so, but yeah. anyhow, that was so disappointing to right. me. But yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. We're not going to be perfect people, right? But she is a wonderful partner, and she has been such a good influence on
0: so many people. Yes. And um, so we feel very blessed in that way. Well, and I I feel blessed to know you both because, honestly, some of those conversations have really stood with me. And they were conversations that we were having before I was even engaged or married and that I've carried with me into my own marriage when we hit low seasons. I remember hearing you talk from the perspective of, you know, 60 plus years. Yeah, there is. There's always just been this resolve this calm resolve i think of eugene peterson's the long obedience in the same direction yeah like i think yeah. of you and karen when i when i hear that phrase that yeah we hit some bup- bumpy spots but we stuck it out and i think
1: that's that's a true important when we were doing our 50th wedding anniversary our daughter was making a cake and said should i put on their 47 years of happy marriage and i said that's probably optimistic <laughs>
0: <laughs> See and the fact that you can both laugh about that because yeah, that's real, true. that's yes, real it, life. And anyone really listening is. who's married is like, "Yep, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it really that's is. That's about and right. That, that's a blessing out <laughs> right, here." well, coming up next, I want to talk a little bit more about some of your time at Poplar. That's where we kind of left off last segment, and that was in '92. And so some years yeah. have passed since then. Yes. And get into the weeds a little bit about what that's been like, what you've learned. You've also partnered with and helped start and run a whole bunch of other organizations in <laughs> all the spare time that you have. And yeah, everyone so I want I to get in. And, bit, here. and after had Malcolm, we had this marriage conference with on and two other local churches, right. it kind of piqued my interest to learn more about this organization. We had such a good response with them at the conference. I was kind of interested in seeing what else they did. And so they actually provided me with this list of like 12 or 13 different topics that they offer free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And the thing that was crazy is that each of these topics were things that people in my church were actually asking me, things that I didn't really know how to talk about and so They offered numerous free Workshops for the people in our church To help them be wise with money and To live generously and let me tell you It was this really beautiful sort of No strings attached kind of a We want to help you do this better And that was kind of the continuation of My relationship with Thrivent and being really Grateful for the ways that they were coming Alongside us and the local churches Around us and if you're interested At all in learning more I cannot encourage You enough to head to Thrivent.com Today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Normally joined by Brian Fromm, but he is out of here. He's coming back though. Don't worry, he'll be back next week. But you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. You can also go to eleven sixty Hope com. Uh, plus, we're on Twitter at Common Good Talk, and we're podcasted. So if you're a podcaster, any amount of interaction on there. Really does help us out a lot. If you want to hit that share button, that helps us out too. We're joined all week, though. We're calling it what should we call it? The week of Ian's friends. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> These guest hosts are all just people that I I know and care about a lot. And Pastor Daryl Malcolm is high, high, high on that list. So before we get back into his story, uh, a quick word from our friends at In Touch Ministries. The new year is underway, and our friends at In Touch Ministries want to bless you with a complimentary wall calendar called "Blessed to Be the Church," featuring Charles Stanley's original photography of churches around the world. An inspirational Bible verse from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and a motivational quote from Dr. Stanley accompany each photo. You can get yours today totally free at 1160hope.com slash contest. Plus, everyone who signs up will be entered to win a copy of the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. So sign up today at 1160hope.com slash contest. And, Daryl, a couple of segments ago, we were talking about how you've just celebrated 70 years of vocational ministry. In fact, I remember celebrating 60 years with you. And that was, I think two weeks after I started as lead pastor at Poplar Creek. And I remember be right. yes. that being so juxtaposed here. I am panicked about like my first lead pastor role. And then a couple of weeks later, we're celebrating like 60 years of faithful ministry. And that being such an important perspective shift for me. And little did I know, like what influence you would have in my life and navigating all of that. But I'm curious one, one, what has it been like being a pastor for seven decades? And then I want to talk a little bit more about Poplar Creek, where we met specifically. Well, it's been ups and
1: downs in a lot of things. It yeah. was small churches going along. Um, I've tried to build leadership, trying to develop different areas and things. Uh, we had different varieties of experiences on it here. Right. Um, I went into the full time the church in Milton, I mentioned, and uh, it was there four years. But we had a number of changes that were happening, mm. and basically the congregation was outgrowing the leadership, mm. and I wound up being pressured out of leaving there. Mm. Um, then I went on to different areas. I went to to Washington, which is a, a church that had gone through some lot of real struggles, and um, in fact, every church I went to seemed to had <laughs> had struggles right. before I went into it here, mm. and they helped them work through it. And then I stayed there eleven and a half years, built a big new building, and. A lot of changes and so forth going through on it, and then I went to deKalb and deKalb had was a seven year old church, but the people that had started it had pretty well moved out of town okay and I went because they had a campus ministry, and I was really interested in campus ministry, hmm. and so I had the church as a basis and then developing the campus ministry within i u and it turned out to be a up and down. Hmm. For the first three or four years we wondered if we'd still be meeting in three months if there'd be enough money to wow. keep surviving on it there. And um often we did that because it was like a well in nineteen eighty we did a real survey of what was happening. Yeah. Discovered eighty percent of the church was moving out of town every year.
0: No kidding.
1: And then that's in addition to what we had as students' campus ministry. Wow. And um so it you you run like mad just to stand still. Right, right. And um but it was exciting because we've had ministry all over the world. we got a couple that were from London that we hmm. would stay with them whenever we were going in, in and out on European trips. And yeah. we have a, a lady that uh, played the piano for us when as a student when we first got started in there, went ahead to get an architectural degree. She was from Hong Kong. And then she became part of the Public Works Department of Hong Kong and still sends us greetings back and forth no all the time on our email list. and, wow. and things like this people from a wide variety of areas that i've been uh, been blessed and working with then i went down to urbana which was a larger church running about 400 when left and uh, had had a lot of turnover a lot of turnover a lot of two or three ministries and and a lot of people have been heartbreaking what was happening i didn't want to go Mm. and uh, began looking for the problems and couldn't find them and finally felt god was calling us down there and then after four years three years got into turmoil because of the two different groups within the church. That mm. One group didn't like me because I'd been hired by somebody else, and and uh, I was pressured into leaving. Gosh. Then I discovered that I was uh, 55, and nobody wanted to hire a pastor 55 because he's too old. Wow! And so I wound up coming to start a new church in DeKalb, I mean in Carroll Stream, and then I was there for five years and wasn't able to keep going yeah and then i went to poplar creek as a part-time on staff there and i've uh, preached off and on and taught classes Mm -hmm. and weddings and funerals and hospital calls and so forth and through a lot of ups
0: and downs in the life of that's true yes and what's it like having been there that long now since, you said, 92? Yeah. Well, I kept saying that um, I wanted to leave
1: and God wouldn't let me. <laughs> At times, I kept saying, I don't know where earth I'd go.
0: Yeah, right. Because
1: I love the, the loving spirit and the concern from relationships with families that I do have there. Yes, right. Now, there are a lot of left. We had problems arrive. You and I lived through them. We did. Um, yeah. which many churches do have. Right. Uh, it went through, I think, two or three train wrecks in the course of time I've been there. Yeah. But, um Somebody said that, that Karen and I the other day said, if it hadn't been for you two, I don't think the church would have survived. Well, yeah. I don't know whether that's true or not, I think It is, but I know that we were a part of what has kept it going. Absolutely. And so um, God doesn't always take you where you expect you're going to go. That's right. Everything I've dreamed of is going to be my long term 10 year goal. It's been sidetracked
0: someplace rather through the year. right? Right. And so, how do you know? Well, and I feel like your model for remaining planted at Poplar is a lot of what you're talking about in your marriage. Like, yeah, yeah. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bumps in the road, and you you have been. And I would affirm whoever said to you that if it wasn't for you, I don't know that Poplar Creek would be there. I think that's absolutely true. Actually, knowing a lot of the inner workings and whatnot, And the the care that you have for people and the way that you love and shepherd people, I think is. I just think it's remarkable. If you're wondering, by the way, what we're talking about, it's Poplar Creek Community Church in Bartlett. You can go to poplarcreekchurch.com and learn more. Just a wonderful, wonderful church, wonderful group of people. And uh, I was there for 10 years and loved loved my 10 years there. I'm curious for anyone. It's it's
1: poplarcreek.org. Oh, it is. Yeah, org. that gives you the church. And oh. Got a good website. Going I got it way
0: so. wrong then. Yeah. Did it change? Is that- <laughs> no, it did. Because I've tried to use that same thing. It didn't get me anywhere. <laughs> My goodness. Shows what I know. Thanks for correcting me. <laughs> All right. I'm curious, like in the minute or two left we have for this segment, what would you say to the person right now who maybe is experiencing some of those bumps at their church and they're wondering if it's time to leave or if it's time for them to hunker down? I think you have to really spend some time in prayer. Asking
1: God if if he is asking him to be there or if he's asking him to change. Is he opening some doors? The times that I had these ministries, I often had options to go someplace else. Mm. But at that time, I didn't feel like I wanted to leave the church. Mm. And periods when I wanted to leave the church, there was no option seemed to be opening up. Mm. I had a pastor friend who said he resigned every Monday. I've never been quite that bad, <laughs> but Resigned there be, every Monday. Yeah, there's been discouragements in, in church leadership wherever you are, oh, man. and because we're all we're all weak humans. That's we're, right. We're not angels. We like to be. We want to act like it, <laughs> um, but it's, it's a fake for everybody if they, mm-hmm. they claim that because yep. we're just sinners. That are trying to
0: serve the Lord and use our gifts the best we can for him. Yeah, that's so well said. All right, well, coming up next, I want to ask you about all of the other things you do. I'm talking <laughs> Chamber of Commerce, uh, Kids Against Hunger, TCM. Uh, you all will not believe the list of things that this man has done and is currently doing. So I want to talk about that a little bit coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is, he's never coming back, guys. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He'll be back. He'll be back next week. I shouldn't say that. He's probably listening right now, yelling at his radio. But uh, you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, slash The Common Good, plus wherever it is you get your podcast. And turns out, uh, Pastor Daryl and I both got the website wrong for Poplar (laughs) Creek Church. It's just poplarcreek.com. Just the easiest, simplest version of the URL. We both got it wrong. (laughs) But, yeah, if you're around the Bartlett area, I can't encourage you enough. It's a really wonderful community with really wonderful people. And uh, some of the best years, I mean, I I had 10 years there as the youth pastor and then as the lead pastor, and I loved loved my time there. It was hard, for sure, but you, in a lot of ways, are consistent breakfasts. I remember the first time I got, like, an anonymous threat, and I brought it to you, and I was like, can you – I was so – rattled and you like read it and then you said yeah welcome to ministry <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but your like your patient perspective of having yeah. been in ministry as long as you had been had been yeah i don't even think i realized at the time how invaluable your influence and presence was for me because i was 26 27 yeah you know first lead pastor job i didn't really know what i was doing and uh so just say publicly I'm so grateful for you I love you very much and I'm, I'm, I think Chicagoland is better because you and Karen are here to well, be thank
1: you thank you we, we love being here in the area and uh, yeah there's ups and downs there always have been of course. The way. Right. I remember in Bible college one of the sessions one of the leaders gave us he said you're going to get in ministry you're going to have a lot of criticisms come mm. and he said uh, what you're going to do just read them if it's something you need to respond to be ready to respond mm. but if it doesn't seem to apply just stack them up and he said, uh, "the the few that you can do something about respond to, yeah. and that much larger stack learn to laugh about them,
0: oh, because man. you're
1: not going to be able to do much about them. They're always going to come. There's always going to be people who want to hide in anonymity and and fire off the guns and and." Uh, don't take them seriously. Yeah, that's so good,
0: and I yeah. think that's again, you know, a lot of young leaders take everything too seriously, right? Yeah, and well, we tend to do that. We want to die on every hill, and we want to, you know, pick every battle, and that's not good. Yeah, we're wanting to please people. Yes, if right. we're pleasers, we probably aren't in this role, right? And, and <laughs> so, there's some truth to
1: that. So uh, we want to work with it, but it goes through there. All right. You talked about some of the things that I've been involved in. Yes. I've been very involved in missions. I want to say that. Through the years, I had a a call I felt to support missions in in a variety of ways. And God has blessed us with mission trips to a lot of different countries, a lot Hmm. of places. For 38 years, I wound up being on the board of directors of TCM International. Hmm. Now, TCM started out as Toronto Christian Mission, and Gene Doolin had gone up to Toronto to start planting churches I met him at a missionary conference and then became friends with him Hmm. and uh, went up to visit in Toronto, preached up there for a few times. Um, They began working in Eastern Europe and they had teams and began going in and they needed a place to meet someplace in Western Europe. Well, Austria was a neutral country and the... um, Polish hams came through Austria to get to America, hmm. and Pepsi-Cola went through Austria to get to <laughs> Eastern Europe, oh, wow, and so wow. that kind of thing. <laughs> and so they needed a house located. Well, they wound up finding a big old hunting lodge, had a long history behind it, hmm. but it had been very neglected. It was very bad shape, and they bought it in 1971 at Heiligenkreutz, which is about 20 miles outside of Vienna. Hmm. And then volunteers came in and helped build it up until it's a showcase. It's a beautiful, beautiful place now. As it had a horse barn, cow barn, and so forth. I visited it the first time in 73. There were still stalls in the cow barn and the horse barn at that time. They'd become meeting rooms and offices and so forth and been added onto to it. And a lot of things going on with it. Um, I, I became a member on the board in 72, and then um, they began changing, no longer interested in Toronto, finally moved the headquarters to Indianapolis and eventually began having classes for people in Eastern Europe. So when the Iron wow. Curtain fell, yeah, they went to people in all these different countries where we had contacts now and asked them, what do you need from us? And they said, what we need is quality education. Well, in God's timing, Gene Doolin, who had been the driving force to get it going, retired, and Tony Twist came over as president, Mm. and he had two earned doctorate degrees. And they began adding seminary classes, seminary quality classes, developed into a seminary, TCM International Institute. Now, make a long story short, they're fully accredited with the North Central Accrediting Association. Wow. The degrees are fully accredited in both Europe and America. Uh, people take about 100 hours of readings and research at home, what you're familiar with, and yeah, right. online learning, yep. and then come to a central area for 40 hours of classwork, uh, wow. taught by an, a teacher, usually with an earned doctorate degree. And they now hold those sessions in about 25 to 30 different locations all over Eastern Europe, as well as in House Edelweiss. Nine times a year, they hold them at House Edelweiss, and Karen and I have often gone to be workers there and help. and. Then we go visit someplace else on the way home. Wow, <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> so uh, it's that's been a major part of our lives in many places. I still have a wonderful heart for what they're doing. And oh, I love that very
0: strong on it here. Well, that's just one of the many things. I mean, I mentioned Chamber of Commerce, Kids Against yeah. Hunger, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention though Malcolm the Magician. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Those of you who aren't aware of what I'm talking about. Uh, Daryl Malcolm is also a magician. I believe uh, you had money printed with your face on it. Right? I do
1: have. It's it's good bills. I printed myself and put my picture on it. And uh, uh, I started doing this because I was doing things for the Sunday evening services. Right. And they began asking for more than I could find. And hmm. through God's leading, I found a place that led me to Christian connections and then traditional magician uh, seminary or groups and so forth which has opened up all kinds of vital doors. Um, I became a member of the Fellowship of Christian Magicians in May of 1968. I've now been a member of that organization longer than any other living person. uh, Okay, I didn't know that. And so it's an interesting thing on it here. I don't do much with it anymore, but uh, Karen and I have done somewhere over 300 (laughs) programs for groups and churches and so forth around uh, mother, daughter, father, son, uh, family groups, uh, as well as, who knows? Christmas parties in a lot of different places. Wow. I've been in bars and all kinds of places. And have
0: yeah. you used it in sermons before? Oh yeah, I think, oh, yeah. I, think yeah. I
1: remember you. I've done that frequently. But have again. you? Yeah, okay. I just got back uh, last summer. I went to Europe to Athens yeah. to work with Helping Hands and refugees. And uh, I'd taken a few things along with me, and I asked them, "Can I? Should I use this?" And they said, yeah, "Let's try it." And the refugees. Turn, me, turn everybody else off, maybe. They, most of them come from Muslim backgrounds. Hmm. Most of them come from Persian, uh, er, er, Iran, and yeah. Af- Afghanistan. But I began doing the magic, and they would pay attention to the gospel presentation. Oh, no kidding. And I said to, to the leaders, I said, I'm coming on pretty strong. And they said, look, this is a Christian organization. The people that come here may not be, won't be Christian, most of them. But they know that we're going to talk about Jesus. Right. Lay it on. Don't worry about it. And no so kidding. It became a wonderful teaching message while I was there. And uh, we were there for two weeks and a lot of memories
0: from that, too. So That's phenomenal. I love – I mean, again, this is just an hour, but we could probably fill multiple hours with the journeys that you've been on. You're a pastor at heart, though. In just yeah. the last 30 seconds we have left, would you just give – Just a word of hope or encouragement to anyone who's listening, wherever they might be today. Well, I want to say, if you don't have your trust in
1: Jesus Christ, it's not going to make sense otherwise. Mm -hmm. You need to trust in Him. There's things you won't understand. God doesn't expect you to understand at all. I'm not going to have a logical explanation. Right. But there's an emotional experience that I know that I believe. Jesus died for me on that cross for my sins. He sets me free. He rose again with the promise that because he lives, I can live also. And my hope is in Jesus. And it needs, your hope needs to be in him
0: also. I, I could not think of a better way to end this show. Daryl, thank you so much for your friendship, your influence, your leadership. Thanks for coming on the show today. That means so much. We really Thank love you for the, inviting me. It's yeah, good to be here. My pleasure. I love you and Karen very, very much. You've been listening to Daryl Malcolm here on the week of guest hosts here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone. It's Ian Simpkins here. And after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area – uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was, and it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to, to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Hey everyone, welcome to The Common Good Normally joined by Brian Fromm, my name is Ian Simpkins This is the week of special guests This hour I have a very special guest Joe Thorne is in the studio for The Common Good on AM 1160 Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is in Mexico for his anniversary, but you can still find us all over the World Wide Web, Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, plus we are podcasted. But we have a very special in-studio guest, mm-hmm. Joe Thorne, the man I think we've been trying to get you on for close to a year, to be honest.
2: I know Dan, Dan has mentioned it. Uh, has he really? Dan, the man, he's, he's like, hey, man, we'd like you to come on. and uh I just ain't got time for you guys, you know. I just I got a lot going on. Very busy, very important person. No, I honestly um, things last year was probably one of the roughest years of my life. No kidding. um, And I, yeah. And so this year actually is feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like I'm really thanking the Lord for not giving me a double dose of. of, Suffering in the valley of the shadow of death. So, yeah, um, I was happy to come on uh, when I got the, the invitation. So, wow. thanks. For, I know it's gonna be the last time since I spilled water all over your <laughs> electronics and everything else. Sat down like it just. just then Mr. Sirius I came in here and he was giving me the. Eye. Yeah, I don't think my even working right now. This yeah, is, so, we're just talking it's to just an empty room. This just, just us you know hanging what? out it's with my <laughs>
0: Alright, so we're going to get to your last year and everything that you just kind of teed up there But, but first, could you just introduce yourself yeah. in whatever way, shape, or form you see fit? Since nobody knows who I am who <laughs> listens to your
2: show My name is Joe Thorne I am one of the founding pastors of a church in St. Charles, Illinois Called Redeemer Fellowship um, I say one of because uh, there was about four of them, There were four elders who founded that church. So I'm mm. not the – everybody says they're the founding pastor because I preach. Right. But that's – I'm not. I'm <laughs> one of the four founding pastors of that church. And so we've been going for about uh, almost 13 years. Um, Love that church. I, I hope God allows me to stay there until uh, he puts me in the ground. And uh, let's see. I've got uh, four kids married to uh, one of my favorite people in the world. I have to say one of because, you know, Jimmy Fowler is not co-hosting the <laughs> podcast. And, and he uh, would take that personally yes, if he did. Yes, I would hear about it. So, yeah, Jen is awesome. She's a great. Theologian A great friend She is uh, the greatest partner I could imagine Four kids They're all awesome I'm very blessed In in, in the family area Yeah so That's I feel, awesome I feel man. very rich be, By what God
0: has That's a me. heck of an intro Way to go Alright okay, so you just mentioned A little early. Let's just get into it then Why was this last year So rough That was not on the list I have a oh, list sorry, here in here front of me on, That me we're read. supposed um, to talk um, about and That, that the, is not <laughs> uh, The Trinity uh, What else do we hear have yeah, okay, Early please. church fathers Divine simplicity also. Okay <laughs> good Let's do that Yeah we don't have to talk About any of that at all We can talk about whatever you want. Uh, what do you think you're known for in the area, though? Like, in general, I, I know you, and have tweeted about you as the guy with the beard, which you recently shaved. I didn't shave it. Okay, oh, okay don't
2: trim. Don't, listen, that's, that's slander. I, I did not fake news. That's a yeah, good point. Okay, thanks, Fox. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking for, right thanks, now. thanks for showing up. <laughs> or CNN, whatever. They're all fake. I don't think any of them are real news. <laughs> um, so, okay, look, uh, I, what am I known for? I'm not that, I'm not no. I'm known in a very small circle of the like Calvinistic and reformed people. Uh, so if you're in that world, you might know me for a couple of books or the podcast. Right. But um, what's the name of the podcast? Doctrine and Devotion. Uh, you can find it at doctrineanddevotion.com. com. It's on all of your podcatchers and players. Uh, we release episodes every Monday and Thursday. It's me and another pastor at the church, Jimmy Fowler. Awesome. And uh, it's just us cracking wise and talking about theology from a Reformed Baptist perspective. It's
0: fun. So why don't you give us some of your background then? What's your story? Because I, I find that. You know, the the testimony of pastors varies so much more than I ever, ever realized. Some guys are like, oh, it's seven. I knew I was supposed to preach the word, and that's what I'm doing. And that's I'm like, yeah, my friend Travell. Yeah. Really? He was preaching at nine. No way. Mm-hmm. See, that's just not my story at all. I <laughs> ran as long as I possibly could <laughs> until God made me tap out, yeah. so to speak. So I'm like, I'm just curious. What's your, what's your story? How'd you end up where you're
2: at? Well, the uh, short story would be I grew up uh, with a mom and a dad who loved me very, very much, uh, but didn't really give me any rules to live by. Mm. Uh, no curfew. Pretty much do, watch, whatever I want to do. And as long as I didn't disrespect them, right? Cause that was important right, respect right, your mom. Right, Because uh, that wouldn't go well. But otherwise, very supportive, very loving, and uh, but I had to figure things out on my own. And uh, I wound up asking a lot of very serious questions about what's the purpose of life, why is there suffering, mm. um, why am I not happy, why do I want to kill myself even at a young age. Wow. They didn't really have any answers for that stuff. Um, I found my way into the occult, into the atheistic Levain brand of Satanism, into theistic Satanism, which was what some people would call it, Hmm. and got all the worldly stuff that I had been yearning for and found that to be pretty empty and dark. And uh, I heard the gospel for the first time. As a senior in high school, I believe I was 17. No kidding, wow Yeah, this uh, girl was missionary. decided to missionary date the Satanist That yeah. was awesome, <laughs> smart move on her part But it actually, God used that um, Yeah, it sounds she's like She's a wonderful person, her family were wonderful They shared the gospel with me A year of seeing that I was going to hell That that was fair and just And I didn't want it, but I couldn't believe It was just too much Eventually, while reading the gospel of Matthew in my bedroom after I had graduated from high school, I was converted. And um, in your bedroom? Yep, on my waterbed. What's up? (laughs) What's up? You got the the 80s. You got baptism right there. Yeah, I just, you know. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, I was just reading Matthew and went from not believing, from being confused about it. Not that God could forgive, but that He Hmm. would forgive somebody who hated Him and hated the church, even though I didn't know the church at all, of course. Right, Right. And, uh, and did some really things that things that really um, I found to be painfully um, convicting. I was wow. guilty of a lot of things. I was I was an after school special about the, the bad. It was cheesy, cliche, bad <laughs> kid stuff that I did in the eighties. Uh, but I was converted and. Um, yeah, things started changing rapidly for me then, and so yeah, that would
0: I was converted in 1990. No, okay. how did so how did you end up as a pastor then? Like the conversion in your bedroom is is one thing to actually now be like leading a church and to be a pastor of pastors and all that. You paying attention? Pretty much anybody can be a pastor these days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: pretty much anybody yes, can pastor a church. That's true.
0: Uh, was that your first thought? Like, well, I guess I have to be a pastor
2: now. Um, no, actually, uh, in fact, some Christians told me that my past was too messed up. You know, sexual promiscuity, Satanism, you know, right. drugs. So, like, you, you could never be a pastor. Right. And we're, it was,
0: we're glad you're saved, but maybe yeah, this profession is just,
2: like, <laughs> you know go, go and do what you were planning on doing. Right. What, what die at 30? That <laughs> like, was I was planning on doing. So I don't know. You want me to do that? They um, no. I wanted to know. I didn't know the story of Cain and Abel. I didn't know the Bible at all. So I got converted. I started reading the Bible over and over and over again, going to every Bible study I could, listening to Christian radio nonstop. And of course, whatever I heard on Christian radio had to be the truth because it's Christian radio. (laughs) And then eventually this girl, Candy, she's a wonderful Christian girl, still lives in the area. Um, Her family was constantly kind of encouraging me and coaching me and, you know, correcting some of the things I would hear on the radio that Hmm. were wrong and then affirming many of the other things. And when I told them that I wanted to be a pastor because I wanted to help people come to know the god that I was getting to know that maybe I should look into that right uh they encouraged it L- local pastor of the church I started going to said you should you should actually look into this pursue that and so um Uh, After I got affirmation from the church and some Christians around me that were mature, I went to Moody Bible Institute. Right on. And uh, just to see what was what and figure things out. And that's where the calling got more and more narrowed to pastoral ministry in the North American context, um, probably church planting. By 94, I was pretty convinced it would have to be a church plant. No kidding. And that was... uh, Or church plants. And that was... um, yeah, it just got more and more clear as the as the years ticked on, um, especially after you know, I met my wife and we got married and went to seminary and all of that. So, yeah, that was the general
0: direction. See, and I didn't know most of that. That's a remarkable story. I'm, I'm imagining it's clear to most of our listeners too. why I'm excited to have you in the studio that Satan has turned pastor and what you're doing in the world now, I think, is... Just remarkable So coming up next We're going to talk about The local church We're going to talk about uh, Why are some Calvinists so mean Maybe we'll talk about Whiskey and cigars Are we allowed to talk about that I am I don't don't know know if you are It's 1160 bro Shoot I just mentioned it already It's already out in the ether man It's there Let be what come Is that the phrase I don't think so Let come what may Beware all right. ye who enter. Beware. Is all that what it is? I think that's, that's the one that's you're looking, what I'm looking for. for. Okay. Beware all ye, right. this two shall pass. We're done. It's not going to happen. Anyway, so coming up for the rest of the hour, Joe Thorne is going to tell us some more of his story and some of what he is uh, doing in the world. That's all coming up next here on the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, but Brian Fromm is MIA. We're worried. If you see him, please let us know. But you can find us on Facebook, the Common Good Radio Show, 1160 Slash the Common Good, plus wherever it is you get your podcast. I'm joined all week by some very special in studio guests. And for the whole entire hour, the Right Reverend Joe Thorne is in the house. And before we get back to kind of his story, uh, he has some words to share with you.
2: The new year is underway. And our friends at In Touch Ministries want to bless you with a complimentary wall calendar called Blessed to be the Church, featuring Charles Stanley's original photography of churches around the world. An inspirational Bible verse from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and a motivational quote from Dr. Stanley accompany each photo. Get yours today absolutely free at 1160hope.com slash contest. That's 1160hope.com slash contest. And everyone who signs up will be entered to win a copy of the Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. Sign up today at 1160hope.com slash
0: contest. <laughs> I like What's how that up? was That was like NPR For most of it And then you ended Like in your death metal growl. You
2: gotta end it You gotta end it contest you gotta, you
0: gotta get that in You <laughs> get that Charles Stanley You know that's, yeah. that's easily the best That liner has ever been well, read Well I wanted to do justice I really, I mean, listen, really appreciate listen. that Now wait a minute if they, if it, if it, I'll tell you right now If it was Andy Stanley I would have read it Totally different uh, Alright so here's a couple of things If you're just joining us So Joe's is insane If you're just Tuning in I encourage you to go back And listen to the podcast But essentially in a nutshell Satanist turned pastor. Right? Well, no, no. It was, uh, just Satanist, right, Satanist turned Same Christian. Christian. I mean, oh, did you, if you Satanist right. turned pastor, be a Satanist pastor. Oh, okay. Satanist tuché.
2: converted. <laughs> all right. Eventually became a pastor. It went, <laughs> the uh, salvation piece yeah. is
0: important, is what you're saying. It was, <laughs> it was
2: about an eight year journey before I was pastoring.
0: Anything, okay. So. That's an important distinction. Good call. All right. So you're a pastor in a church. Where can people go to learn more about the church and the podcast again, all the way? Okay. Well, the
2: church is RedeemerFellowship.org. Okay. And uh, so just go there. Uh, beautiful website designed by Pastor Brian Malcolm. Hey, oh. And uh, yeah, you can find our sermons, our resources on there. Everything's up, and uh, it's, it's a church located in Saint Charles, Illinois. Small church, not a big church, and uh, but it's the healthiest church I've ever been ever been a part of. Absolutely love the people there. And the podcast is Doctrine and Devotion dot com. It's a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice, but from a Reformed Baptist perspective. Sands the arrogance, elitism, and pugnacity.
0: Oh, right on. Okay, I have like five questions about that. But you just mentioned too about like the health of your church, Mm -hmm. and you know Brian and I have been doing the show for about a year. Uh, The church has been center stage for a number of unfortunate things, particularly in Chicagoland. The last there's been a lot of division. Like we just seem to see it doesn't. And I know it's not a new thing, but you actually are really passionate about a theology of unity and what that looks like. I'm I'm curious if you could just expound on that a little bit.
2: On the theology of unity?
0: Yeah. And well, why do we see so much division in the first
2: place? Well, some of the division that we see is necessary and good because some people are heretics and they're leading people astray. Right. Some division is important because some pastors, while they are not heretics, they are abusers and they need to, they need to be called out and held accountable. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the division that's happening in the church today is unnecessary. Hmm. Because on the one hand, as a confessional Christian, which means I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that holds to a historic confession of faith called the Second London Confession or the 1689 Baptist confession. So I hold to that. That is a summation of what I hold to be true theologically. Now, what that does is it provides me a a way in which there are distinctions. I'm not going to say division, but distinctions between Mm. me and my Presbyterian congregational and Lutheran brothers. But it also provides the basis upon which we have a lot of unity Mm. because you can see like, wow, uh, a Reformed Baptist historically is also little c Catholic, meaning, oh, he's Trinitarian. He embraces those old creeds, uh, the Apostles' Creed, Nicaea, and all of that. And so there's a lot of room for us to have unity, and yet people continue to divide more narrowly and more narrowly. And now it's happening because of political differences right. or uh, socio political differences. People are you hmm. know either you're woke or you're asleep. And like if hmm. you're if you're awoke, you need to take a nap. And if you're napping, you need to get woke. And nobody can be friends or, or get along. Whereas I've got people. One of my friends wrote a, wrote a book called Woke Church, hmm. and then I've got other friends who don't want to be my friends anymore because I didn't want to sign their anti woke social justice gospel statement. Sure, so right. it's like people are just constantly dividing over things. And I think in part it is because um, we allow a passion uh, for truth to somehow get divorced from what I believe is a love for the church. Now they're mm. going to say that they love the church even when they're dividing unnecessarily. But I, I honestly think one is trumping the other when they need to be held in
0: tandem. Yeah, that's good. So how do you navigate then as, as the pastor? Cause I imagine there are things that crop up and you're constantly having to deal with disagreements. Yeah. And I imagine people are bringing them to you at times and you have a leadership team and accountability and structures in place. But yeah. how do you navigate that practically for someone that's listening They're like, you know what? I attend a local church and I, like I hear the whispers of division. I don't know what to do about
2: it. Well, our situation is a little unique in that um, we planted this church ourselves, so we were able right. to construct the culture and really build the DNA blocks for what the church is going to be from the very beginning. So, we haven't had a gossip issue in the 13 years we've been around. Hmm. Um, we've had church discipline cases, of course. We've had people sin against each other. I have had to apologize to church members before for like yeah. being unthoughtful and careless, mm. um, but... Because we've built a culture that is truly transparent and accountable, where we confess our sins to each other and forgive each other, yeah. we've avoided a lot of the pitfalls that are more common in some other churches. But I think the big, big, big thing for us is um, we have people who voted for Hillary Clinton at our church. We have people that voted for Donald Trump in our church. And we mm-hmm. have people that voted third party in our church. Right. And nobody's mad. Right, at each other, now listen, you can think any one of those candidates i'm going to say all three were a pretty much a waste uh <laughs> politically, but I understand why we we have to make the best decisions we can based on the scripture as we're going forward following Jesus, we should be politically involved and we should love our neighbors, and so they they did their best, and hmm. uh most people uh you know. Probably made the wrong decision and in general, right we mm-hmm. all like you know because like, is there is there one right decision so but there's no drama there because we spend a lot of our time focusing on the truth of god's word uh hmm. we're very gospel centered in that we explore all of the the, the scripture the whole counsel of god and, and all kinds of theology but we try to make sure that we're constantly bringing it back to the person and work of jesus and how those doctrines ultimately find their their zenith of application in our faith in jesus christ so people are refreshed by that at redeemer from what i hear in that um i don't preach uh Politics. I I, I work, and, and all of our leaders that are teaching and in small groups and whatnot work really hard to make sure that we're focused on the faith, and then we find ways to apply that faith to the current situations and differences that we have right. um, in the world. So I don't know. I don't I don't have the answer. I just can tell you. In this particular church, it's a pretty peaceful church, and um, we don't divide over who voted for Hillary right. and who voted for Trump, and who you know who's going to vote for Trump. I'll tell you what. A lot more people are going to probably wind up voting for Trump this this season hmm. uh, because. The other options have gone crazier. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'll tell you right now, I'll go ahead and predict that Trump's going to win again. And I'm not saying he's the right choice. I'm just telling you he's going to win again because his opponents don't
0: know what they're doing. That's hmm. what's going to happen. So you've somehow been able to navigate all this tension then, which I, I imagine part of what you're describing is what a lot of pastors want. They're like, yeah, I, I want our church to be a space for people who voted far left, far right, somewhere in between, to still all be able to call this place home. Yeah. And I think a lot of leaders end up finding that a lot harder to pull off than they realize.
2: It's harder when you're dealing with an established church that has established cultures and presuppositions and ideologies that are dominant. And therefore, uh, when people begin to push against that stuff, hmm. there is a reaction. Whereas for us, the, we, we sought to develop a culture that was hmm. deep deeply theological um but very uh forgiving right That's like good. uh i couldn't be the pastor in most churches because i would say <laughs> the wrong thing and get fired but at redeemer like they know i don't have to pretend at all they know exactly who i am what i believe they hold That's me right. accountable so if i'm sinning they will say hey you gotta knock right. it off right but yeah we don't we don't have these hard like i'll give you an example uh, our church is very much pro-life um, anti-abortion we uh, we think abortion is is, is a horrible uh, holocaust that needs to be come, that needs to come to an end so there is something, and we don't consider that to be a political issue, um, but a moral issue and a spiritual mm. issue. So that that's where we land uh, among the leadership at our church. But I would imagine that as we're reaching new people and new people are coming into our church, in fact, I've seen that where like, right. they have a completely different ideology, and we right. don't blow them out of the water with – with some, you know, sort of, like, dismissive, like, how could you possibly think that? We try sure. to understand where they're coming from and help them move along. But when it comes to the it, the things that are, for us, more open-handed, uh, we treat them that way. Yeah. You know, so you got to... You want, to, you want to go that way? and fine. The whole marijuana thing, everybody's freaking out about right, marijuana. Right, um, And we, our approach is, is to let the scripture speak as much as possible, let our historic theology address the issue as much as possible, mm. and then um, give people some room to figure it out.
0: That's really good, man. All right, coming up next, I want to ask you about Calvinism. You literally wrote this, if I could just quote you, happy Calvinist versus self-righteous, contentious Calvinist. This is a question that Brian and I have danced around a couple of times. I'm really curious to kind of get your insight. That's coming up next with Joe Thorne on the week of special in-studio guests here on The Common Good, AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is gone all week. I'm told he'll be back next week. I'll believe it when I see it. But you can uh, find us on Facebook, Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com. We are joined in studio right now, though incarnate, I might say, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. All right, in the flesh, we both hit the exact same note, by the yeah. way, did we just become that, best that's friends? That's our theological <laughs> unity being expressed in music, that's what that is if theology were a superhero we just became it anyway that we're other the wonders, voice, we're the wonder twins then that's what you're saying i'll make t-shirts i'm f- i'm fine with that that's okay we can talk about that later uh you can uh find out about joe thorne though all over the world wide web the name of your church again is redeemer fellowship and the name of your podcast is doctrine and devotion so i cannot encourage you enough check out both of them and you were recently just on the babylon b podcast is that right is yeah, that yeah, band? that was that was fun. Yeah, Babylon B. Like those guys. They've actually tweeted about you a couple of times, but they also like they seem to have and maybe this is just a new fad right now, there's a lot a lot of depictions of Calvinists as just like angry and mean and contentious. And I know that you care deeply about right. this particular idea. Like, oh, so the way that you wrote it in our talking points, there's happy Calvinist and there's also self-righteous uh, contentious Calvinist. Like yeah, there is with everything. There's poser. Right? Posers. Yeah. All right. Talk to me a little bit about that. What is
2: a happy Calvinist? I got in trouble. I did an, <laughs> I interview, with, I did an interview with Ed Stetzer one time about fake Calvinists, and I just was talking <laughs> about these angry, self-righteous Calvinists. Right. Um, all right. So th- the difference, I think, is that the doctrines of grace, right, Reformed theology in general, so I think, you know, Westminster, uh, Confession of Faith, the doctrines of grace, it, Reveal to us a, a God who is sovereign and loving and a humanity that is hateful and depraved and unbelieving, and God, in His grace and mercy saves us and brings us to himself and blesses us with every spiritual blessing and then sanctifies us in all of this. That biblical theology should produce humility and joy. In the life of a believer. No, mm. And forget Calvinism. All Christians should be able to say that, right? Right. God's love for the sinner, saving us through Christ alone, should produce uh, joy uh, in, in the life of every believer, humility, mm. um, and a zealous kind of evangelism. And unfortunately, there is a caricature of Calvinist that's been around for a while, but I've I've definitely seen it in the last 10 to 15 years quite mm. a bit. Where Calvinists are portrayed as angry, uh, pugnacious, and overly divisive um, leaders. Hmm. And the reason that character is drawn, caricature is drawn, is because many of us look that way or looked that way. Hmm. And there's a whole host of reasons why, and I care less about why people wind up this way. But what's key is it's not the Calvinism that produces the contentious Christian. It's a uh, uh, it's a proud heart. Hmm. And that can happen in non-Calvinist theology, Calvinist theology. Right. You can be a liberal. You can be um, a conservative sure. politically. It's not the ideology that produces the self-righteousness. There is a heart problem. And for a lot of Calvinists, what what, I, what I've what i seen happen, what happened to me when I was in college was uh, become a thoroughgoing Calvinist. And you read lots of books. And because you are infatuated, you read a lot, you study a lot, you learn how to articulate these doctrines. And you find that In a lot of your relationships, others haven't done the same kind of research or the same Mm. level of research, so it's easy to feel as if you are smarter or more well-read, and maybe you even are more well-read on particular doctrines, but instead of having the meek spirit that Jesus does, Mm. who knew infinitely more than the dumb sinners he was talking to all the time, (laughs) uh, we adopt this condescending tone and approach that, uh, that makes us look really bad, and we're so... Like, we're so incensed about bad theology and the damage or potential damage that it's causing that we we lose the ability to build bridges with people that can help them to see the truth of what we espouse. And so, here's the Mm. bottom line for me, um, my job as a pastor, and I think being a pastor has helped me in this. Mm. uh, My job is to, part of my job is to help people to see the truth. Uh, embrace the truth, believe the truth, obey the truth. So I want to bring people from where they are to where they could be, right? Definitely beyond where I'm at. And I can't help people transition, move. I can't help people to see the error in their thinking and to embrace the truth if I'm yelling at them. Right. I've got I've to win them with mm. the truth. And so, yeah, I, there are some Calvinists out there that are wonderful people that are thoroughgoing um, Calvinists. Like, I love, I'll just, I'll, I'll the guys at Ligonier, I yeah. know those guys. I yeah. love those guys. They are they are super smart. Hmm. They're humble and godly. Um, the Scottish Presbyterian guys that uh, at the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, I was just at a conference with them. It was me and a bunch of Scottish Presbyterian guys <laughs> preaching, and uh, it's all suited up with their accents and their brains <laughs> and their hearts. They were godly, like sensitive, awesome men. That's awesome. And then there are other other Calvinists that are well known that. Um, <laughs> That really need to be put in time out. Right.
0: <laughs> put in time. Any come to mind? I, wanna, yes. I don't want to. Yes. Should I bait you like mm-hmm. that? Is that? There are lots of them. Like, I wonder if, and you said that this is maybe not the thing you're interested in understanding or going after. But I think you're right that anyone can end up in a contentious, self-righteous place, and it doesn't necessarily even mean that their theology led them there. You know, like right. I grew up in a big, aggressive family, and we just speak our mind. Yeah. And then when I, you know, became a Christian and was hanging out with Christians, people were like, well, that was mean. Yeah. Like, I was like, I was just communicating yeah, officially, totally. I was just telling you quickly what I think, and I didn't realize that was mean. By like, the way, that is the right way to live, for the record. <laughs> the yeah. way I'm living?
2: Yes. I'm so glad you're on the say show. Say what you mean, and give everybody the benefit of the doubt.
0: Stop being dramatic, everybody. See, I didn't know that that was, I didn't know there were other options. I know, when when to, like, I went right. to college, I was like, oh, I thought everyone talked like this and spoke their mind. And How many times like, in college did you
2: have like a woman, a young woman, walk away from the lunch table crying, and you're like, why is she crying?
0: men and women I've had yeah, people yeah. and I'm not even proud of this but I've certainly had people years after the fact like hey man one time over by the student mailboxes, you said this, and that really hurt me. I'm like, why are we talking about this now? Yeah. Like, Tell me then. I'm sorry. Like, I didn't, you know. And again, I think I'm with you. Being a pastor has actually, I think, helped grow yeah, me totally. and matured me in that regard. What advice would you give to someone listening right now that's thinking, as you're describing this, they're like, wait a minute. I think I might be an angry Christian, or I might be a self-righteous Christian. I was for a long time. What would um, you say to them? What, What hope or encouragement or challenge would you give to them?
2: I don't know man I, 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 can, I can tell you I'll tell you this um, You're a dummy Check yourself You don't know anything You don't You don't know I don't know anything None of us do I, I've read a lot of books I've written five Very small books Heyo um, I don't know anything There are guys That I think are brilliant That are genuinely Like theological giants Who are alive today right. And they are not arrogant Right So where do we Get off thinking That we are arrogant All I can tell you Is what happened to me I read a book called a Vital Godliness, A Treatise on Experimental and Practical Piety. Wow. And that book, uh, I was reading it out loud to Jen, senior year in college, because uh, that's how we dated. We read Puritans <laughs> and reformed literature to each other. So steamy. Um, wow. So, and he, I read him on spiritual darkness, and it described me. I read him on spiritual backsliding, and it described me. No and I kidding. wasn't living an ungodly life that was openly, obviously ungodly, but pride, arrogance, all this stuff. And then I heard, believe it or not, I heard a John MacArthur sermon Which convicted me of my pride and arrogance. And uh, God began to bring in Puritan literature in particular that exposed the darkness in my own heart that began to slowly move me towards a position where i could see wow. the problems that i needed to address so I, I just had the right influences coming in read people that address the heart you need to be reading people that address the heart because uh, you, you might not have people speaking to your heart
0: enough right man that is a good challenge i mean we got like 30 seconds any other books that come to mind books that spoke to the heart or preachers that you would consider people like track down and listen man, to purpose
2: driven life by yeah. uh, no um, <laughs> no i, I honestly the, Puritan lit sermons. You just uh. go online. But um, I would say uh, an uplifting for the downcast was helpful for, for me. Hmm. Um, the bruised reed was helpful for me. Uh, it, it sort of depends on where you are If, if yeah, you're proud You need
0: to be taken down A couple of notches There are certain books If you're broken and weary There are other books that you Yeah, can do. right, man That's good All right, Jeff Thorne I'm so glad you're here in the, For the, I mean, for an entire hour By the way So Well, for four or nine minutes I That's guess. true Yeah, including the commercials uh, yeah. Not including the ones That you read for us Which I really appreciate Well done that's right, yes <laughs> All right, let's see If we can't talk a little Whiskey and cigars Ooh. Along with theology oh In the local church How about that? Coming up next here On The Common Good AM 1160 Hope for your life Hey everyone, welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins. Brian Fromm is out of town, but I am joined for one final segment with the illustrious, the magnanimous, the prodigious. Is that a word? The man of dwarfian proportions. <laughs> Tell me that's on a bio somewhere for you. Well, I'm called the Angry Dwarf a lot. You
2: are? Yeah. I wasn't aware of this. Yeah, because I had the big beard, and people were like, you're like Gimli. You're, like, you're, like, oh, you're like Cranky. I got that a lot. People are so unimaginative. Steve McCoy. Steve McCoy is a good friend of mine. Yeah. Uh, he uh, he registered angrydwarf.com. I think it was him, and he pointed it to my blog. It was either him or Jimmy. Now I'm
0: forgetting who it was, but it was one of those guys. <laughs> is that still active? I can no, go no. That? Oh, no. all right. Somebody got me a domain... Actually, I probably shouldn't say it on air. Anyway, mm, uh, wow, so be we'll talk about it air. Mm. Right. So you're a pastor. You're an author. You are a podcaster. Why don't you give us some of the specifics on that one more time, just in case people are joining us. I pastor Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. You
2: can Google it. I'm uh, a co-host of the best podcast you can listen to if you like to hear two guys bust chops and uh, banter too much, <laughs> then finally get to robust reformed theology.
0: <laughs> Doctrineanddevotion.com. You can find that there. So I know that uh, when you're recording this podcast, there are often some cigars and or whiskey involved is that true or is that not in the recording process that is a Yeah no it's a, that that's oftentimes true but it's not like
2: hey we're going to record a podcast so let's smoke it is i'm always smoking cigars all day Every day So of course I am smoking When we If you're conscious um, Whatever that activity and yeah, is No we right. have listeners They listeners send us cigars They send us whiskey they, no we, yeah, yeah. Our, our listeners are awesome They're very generous Very kind They just sent us these Like gnawing whiskey glasses That are matte black And glass no All crazy Yeah people People take really good care of it. So yeah it's not uncommon For us to have a smoke Or a uh, a pour of whiskey. When so, recording. Yeah,
0: talk to me more about that because I know that the cigar smoking in particular is not just anecdotal. It wasn't like an accidental. Like you, it is a very specific thing that you I, you. I feel like you're almost known for it, for better or for worse. I've been smoking cigars literally, the real definition of the word literally, since <laughs>
2: yeah, not that new Merriam Webster <laughs> definition. I'm not going to go off again on it. Um, since third grade. No kidding. I used to steal cigars from the local grocery store, and then go behind my grandma's PCUSA church because I knew they wouldn't care, (laughs) and I would smoke my cigars behind her church. Wow! And uh, so I've, I've. Oh, my, both my parents smoked a lot. I didn't smoke cigarettes. But did. I did like okay. cigars. And um, yeah, so I've been smoking cigars for a long time. I didn't when I was at Moody because I wasn't allowed to. Right. I actually did listen to the rules. You did? Yeah, I
0: didn't smoke cigars. Is, it, is that because you were a rule follower in no, general? No, you weren't. But, I mean,
2: I don't know. I'm not a rule follower. No. <laughs> All my friends would say I'm not a rule follower. <laughs> right. But I know I told them I wouldn't. I mean, you signed it. i, I, I I'm going to keep my word. I'm not going to smoke. So when I graduated and I walked across the aisle, I had cigars in my pocket and you know, I up when I got out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like cigars. The cigars are just a very relaxing. My wife hates cigars. She hates the smell of cigars. Oh, she does. Okay, she does not ask. approve. But uh, but she knows, like, wow, it it, it gives Joe a little, a little bit of calmness, and not because it's a blunt. I I, I smoke a cigar <laughs> because I like tobacco and I like the flavor.
0: But it, it calms me down, and I can do it while I read. And right. Um, so yeah, it's a great shared experience with friends. Yeah. So that's one of the things our mutual friend Rob Davidson, mm-hmm. Ryan Guerra, some of these guys have also shared cigar guys, yeah. similar stories, though, about the communal nature yeah. of smoking a cigar. I mean, not that you couldn't do it alone. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. could you talk to me a little bit more about kind of the communal nature of that? But also, I, I want to get a little evangelistic. Let, let's yeah. assume someone's listening and they're completely appalled right. that you're a pastor mm-hmm. who is okay with alcohol consumption of any kind, or the smoking of tobacco, right? Like, like what would you say to that person who okay, like, we'll can't start, believe we'll it?
2: We'll start with that. Okay. Um, what I would say to that that man or woman is that um, the the ideas that you have about sin and righteousness might be a little off because my sins are far more grievous and heinous than the perceived sin or the peccadillo of smoking a cigar. Hmm. Um, See, what we believe as Christians is that uh, the only things that we can call sin and the only things that we can say are righteous are things that the word of God specifically tells us hmm. and so we take those sins and then those those calls to action or righteousness very seriously we want to we want to repent wherever we can and we want to do good wherever we can and simply put smoking a cigar is um is not considered a sin in scripture of course it was, wasn't a thing that was done back oh, right, then right but there isn't even a category for it in scripture and so um i would say I need salvation, deliverance, and sanctification from all of my sins, and they're all very bad. Hmm. Uh, that just doesn't happen to be one of them. And what I would say is, if you're if you're not a believer, but you're you're offended at maybe some of the things that I do. I would ask, well, why? What is it about this that offends you? Hmm. Uh, Where is your sense of morality or righteousness, or perhaps, if I can push back, self-righteousness coming from? Hmm. Um, What about your sins, and what is your hope for forgiveness, for cleansing? And while I do want to be a man who walks in integrity and does what is right, I am going to fail when I do. I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is fully paid for all of my sins, and then he shows me the way to live. Hmm. So I'm open to that, and I'm open to being shown where I'm wrong. I really am, and sometimes I have to change the way I think and the things that I do because of it. But what I would encourage you to do if you're you're hearing this, like, why would I listen to a pastor that smokes? Don't listen to me. Don't worry about me. I would say worry about yourself. Read the word of God and let the word of God confront you where you need to be confronted so that you can be right with God and then... what would I say transformed in such a way that you can live yeah. Right
0: before God that's really good all right, so what would you Say about the second part of that question that the Communal nature that yeah. you've experienced and not just Experienced I mean I think proactively cultivated uh, As a pastor and lover of People and like investing in them. Right. like we t- talked About that well, a even bit.
2: just at the most basic Like worldly level right um, I Travel a fair bit I go all over the country And wherever I go I look for two things I look For the local donut shop and the local cigar shop <laughs> right? um, Not in that order And I walk into a I walk into a cigar Shop and look if you look if people look if you don't know what I look like i look like white trailer trash that's what i look like i have a beard i i have tattoos all over my hands and everything i I should just wear a white dirty wife beater and walk around people would just know okay that's 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 trailer trash so that's what i look like right to most people i think who don't know me but I walk into a cigar shop anywhere in the country, pretty much anywhere in the country. could be super high-end, very highfalutin and fancy, or it can be a mom-and-pop shop, just one room with some chairs. Mm. I walk in there, and those men treat me well. They're like, hey, how are you? What's your name? Just have a seat. We, we sit down. A cigar shop is uh, one of the rare places where you can meet men, mm. some women, but you can meet men, and have honest conversations with them about life, art, politics, religion, uh, family, and they'll receive you. Yeah, you know, and, right. and so and part of why it works so well is because you have the shared experience of a cigar, which takes a minimum of 45 minutes to right, complete. Right. So you're there. You're sort of stuck. You're, you're sharing this thing, this good thing, this gift from God that you should receive with gratitude and thankfulness so that you don't abuse it. Hmm. And um, so that translates very well into the Christian community. However, my caution would be uh, if you don't smoke cigars and don't like cigars, then don't bother trying to get into cigars. <laughs> right. Find whatever it is that you do like and find a way to share it with other people because that's the most important thing
0: in terms oh, of these my experiences. Goodness. What a note to end on, man. I think that's so wise. I'm grateful that you're here in Chicago I Your life in ministry has affected so many people that I care deeply about. So even just by proxy, I'm grateful for you and your influence, man. Uh, can I put you on the on the spot on the air? Can you come back again sometime? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, uh, you know.
2: Just cigar. little,
0: Cigar's ready little, next time. It's a,
2: little, a little boring in here. Maybe you do something. <laughs> all right.
0: I'll, I'll bring something we'll if you want. We'll get with your face on it by the time uh, okay, you come back. All right. We can all make all right. that. Uh, something, uh, you know. No, I'm not talking about the core. Okay, I get what you're saying. I, I understand. I sell the wink. I'm picking, mm-hmm. I'm okay. picking up on what okay. you're putting down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been Joe Thorne joining us for the entire hour on this week of guests. Joe, thank you so much for joining us here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.